Welcome everyone to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I am your host, Zach Guggenheim, and we are here for the week nine picks. That's right, week nine, and this is a big week in the Big Ten schedule and across the country in college football. If you, if you like the podcast, make sure to follow us on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and make sure to leave us a review. Let me know what you think of the score predictions. Feel free to put your score predictions as you leave those reviews. We really appreciate your support and appreciate your feedback. We're going to get right into it. I'm going to pick nine games. There are seven in the Big Ten and two nationally that we're going to pick, two actually in the SEC. And afterwards, after the break, I'm going to talk a little bit about Jim Harbaugh and why this is, a, in a sense, a must-win game for him. Talk a little bit about how I, I think he doesn't get a, he doesn't get a fair shake, but at the same time, it, this is probably a must win for him. That'll be the last game we pick also before the break, but we're going to talk about Harbaugh, but this is a big week in the big 10, not just at the top. Obviously you've got Michigan, Michigan state, Ohio state, Penn state, the big 10 East, I think really at stake here this week, but also the big 10 West really at stake we're gonna we're gonna look at iowa wisconsin minnesota is creeping around right now they are tied with iowa as the the leaders in the big 10 west and so those three teams are kind of outpacing the rest of the west and then there's there's other games that also have pretty big stakes in terms of bowl eligibility um games that involve rutgers illinois maryland indiana so that there's there's a lot of good games that have quite a bit of stakes and that's pretty amazing considering we are in week nine of the college football season so i'm excited for this week we're going to get right into it i'm going to start with rutgers at illinois 12 p.m kick there was actually no channel given i would imagine this is going to be on a big 10 network overflow channel rutgers is a one and a half point favorite which really surprised me but I was intrigued reading some of Noah Vedral's comments. He's the quarterback for Rutgers. And he was talking about how at the bye week that they had a really good week of practice. They feel really energized. They feel like they're getting healthy. That Greg Schiano has been, I, th- I think, really steadying the ship there as, as the head coach. Obviously, Illinois coming off the big win against Penn State. And Chase Brown coming off a big day, over 200 yards. They're running attack as a whole, over 350 yards against Penn State's defense. Interesting game, and it's a high-stakes game for both teams because Rutgers, if they can get a win against Illinois, they, they could possibly have a shot at bowl eligibility. You know, they have games against Indiana. They, they have a game against uh, Maryland at the end of the season. And those are winnable games for Rutgers, especially with Indiana's quarterback uh, stuff right now. And we'll talk about that in the next game. Illinois, on the other hand, you know, if you look at Illinois and, and what they have coming down the pike, if, if they can win this game, they go to four and five. And again, they, they have some winnable games left on the schedule where they might be able to get to five wins if they can get one more upset, maybe even get to six. So again, it's it's probably not likely that either of these teams get to bowl eligibility, but it's a high stakes game in that if either of them want to, this is a must win game for both of them. 
So I think that's exciting because this is a Rutgers, Illinois game that actually has value and, and stakes to it. So I think Illinois, you know, they had the big win against uh, they had the big win against Nebraska early in the season and they lost to Texas, San Antonio, Texas, San Antonio is a, a pretty good team for a, a, a non-power five team. But now they are coming off a big win against Penn State with all those overtimes. You know, they, they played in the rain. They're probably a little beat up. How do they do coming back versus a team in Rutgers that's getting healthy, that seems energized, that I think, you know, they, they think they can win this football game. And I think they're a pretty even match. I like Rutgers. I think this is going to be low scoring. And I think Rutgers, if Aaron Crickshank can play, and I, I don't know about his status yet, I think if, if Crickshank can play, I think with, with the special teams, I think Rutgers holds an edge in special teams. And I think they can limit the run game against Illinois. I've got Rutgers winning by a touchdown, 20 to 13. Next, I have Indiana at Maryland. It's a 12 p.m. kick. Again, Not no channel listed. I'd imagine it's a Big Ten Network overflow channel. Uh, Maryland is a five and a half point favorite. And to me, this game is all about Indiana's quarterback struggles. You know, Donovan McCulley is probably going to get the start uh, along with their, their walk-on quarterback. Who's their fourth stringer Don, Donovan McCauley, true freshman. He's athletic. He has a nice arm, but just doesn't know the offense well yet. And we saw against Ohio state, you know, Jack Tuttle, he was, he got hurt in that first drive, but he played well in that first drive, you know, led him to a touchdown drive. I think it was only the second touchdown drive that Indiana has had in the big 10. So really nice drive, really, really nice playing by Tuttle. And now he's out, he's week to week Penix obviously out. And now you have a true freshman and Indiana just cannot move the ball well. And then on the other, uh, other side of the ball. I think Indiana's defense is good. Still not sure about Taiwan Mullen, if he's going to be able to play. I thought he would play last week and he didn't. I think they were down their top two corners. Maryland has struggled offensively with, as, as Dante Demas has gone out. Uh, Rakeem Jarrett has not played like I thought he would uh, as, as kind of the premier receiver on that team. Tunga Vailoa, has not been as efficient as he's played better defenses. So I, I think that's going to be a tough matchup. I just don't know. I don't trust Indiana to score. And as, as much as I don't trust Maryland, I think Maryland has enough firepower that if you keep giving them the ball back, then they're going to find ways to, to put up points. I think it's close. I don't think Maryland covers I think it'll be Maryland 20, Indiana 17. Again, I, I think if Indiana had the ability to really run and maybe put drives together, I, I'd see this as, as an Indiana win. I just don't know. Even with, with Maryland's weaker defense, I just don't know if, if that's going to be enough. I, I like Maryland 20, Indiana 17. And Maryland gets to five wins, and they're one win away from bowl eligibility if that happens. 
Uh, Minnesota at Northwestern. It's a 3.30 kick on the Big Ten Network. Minnesota, a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Again, don't look now. Minnesota is in the driver's seat to win the West. You know, they're five and two. They have that bonkers loss to Bowling Green. And then, of course, they, they, got, uh, they got beat by Ohio State in the opener. But since then, they, they have looked really good. They, they beat Purdue. They beat Nebraska last week. And now they get a Northwestern team that I think is figuring some things out. I know they, they got beat by 26 last week, but they held Michigan to 10 points in the first half, and it was close, 10 to 7 in that first half. And so this, this feels like a game that Northwestern could steal, but they really do struggle stopping the run. Minnesota's running, Minnesota is on their third and fourth string running backs, Marquise Irving and Kai Thomas, but they have been very, very good. Last week, they both went over 100 yards. Uh, against Maryland. I think they will be able to run the ball against Northwestern. And I think a hidden thing about Minnesota right now is their defense. Niles Pinckney has really solidified that defensive line. And I think they're going to limit Evan Hall. You know, Evan Hall is a big hitter. He's a big play hitter. He had a 75 yard touchdown run against Michigan last week. I think they limit him. I think they're going to force Ryan Holinsky to, to try to air it out. And that's just not Northwestern strength right now. I've got Minnesota 24, Northwestern 13, and Minnesota gets to six and two on the season, which I think is really good for that program. So good, good by PJ Fleck. Good job responding and rebounding from that, that stinker that they put, uh, put out there a few weeks ago against Bowling Green. Next, we have Purdue at Nebraska. It's a 3.30 p.m. kick on ESPN2. Nebraska, a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. I don't think this is going to be a close game. Uh, the score is going to be closer that I, that I pick. But, you know, I've given Nebraska a lot of, a lot of crud over the past few weeks, really since the beginning of the season. But it, it does seem like there's a lot of support behind Scott Frost and that program. They're coming off a bye. You know, they, they've kind of sat with the failures that they've had. And they now get Purdue, who had every opportunity to build off that Iowa win and just couldn't, couldn't take advantage of it. You know, they lost by 17 to Wisconsin last week. And I think, I think Nebraska is – they might be the best offense that, that Purdue has faced so far. You know, Purdue is, has – been pretty good defensively. Uh, I think they're underrated defensively. Obviously, George Karloftis, great edge rusher, probably going to be a top 10, top 15 pick in the NFL draft. David Bell, obviously a really dynamic receiver. But I, I think Nebraska is probably a step up talent-wise in terms of their offense. You know, if you think about who Purdue has beat they haven't really faced a good offensive team. So I, I think Nebraska will limit Purdue. I, I think Purdue's offense is pretty limited. It's David Bell and, and nobody else. Part of that's the running back room is just decimated. They, I think they average 75 yards a game rushing the ball. And I think if Nebraska knows that all, what, all they're going to do is throw, I think their defense is good enough to kind of send their defensive line, send Jojo Doman from his linebacker spot 
to, to really get pressure on Aiden O'Connell and the, the three quarterbacks that they use. I've got Nebraska winning 31 to 20 over Purdue. I wouldn't be surprised if it's actually worse than that, but then Purdue kind of gets a, a junk score late. So I like, I like Nebraska 31 to 20. We're going to go outside the big 10 for a minute. Ole Miss at Auburn. It's a 7 PM kick ESPN on ESPN. Auburn's a three point favorite. That's number 10 Ole Miss at number 18 Auburn. And I, I like Ole Miss a lot. They, they lost one of their starting offensive linemen uh, for the season a couple weeks ago. Uh, I'm blanking on his name right now, but that's a big loss for Ole Miss. Their running game is really Matt Corral and, and a kind of running back by committee. And they struggle to stop the run a little bit. And so it's funny when I first saw this game, I'm like, oh, Ole Miss will win by a couple of touchdowns. And then as I looked at statistics and I looked at kind of how these teams are trending, I think Tank Bigsby is going to be the key to this game. And I think, I think Auburn's defense can limit Ole Miss. I think they can limit Matt Corral a little bit. I think they'll force a couple of field goals, which will be the difference in this game. I've got Auburn 28, Ole Miss 27. Remember, it's at Auburn. So I think on a neutral field, they, they, it's almost a pick them, but it's because it's at, at Auburn, it's a, they're a three-point favorite. I think it's a, it's a one-point game or a close game. I think Auburn squeaks it out. Number one, Georgia versus Florida. It's a neutral site game in Jacksonville, Florida. 3.30 p.m. kick, CBS, Brad Nessler, and Gary Danielson on the call. Georgia is a 14-point favorite. I think a lot of people are picking this as a trendy upset. You know, they think, well, Florida has some good offense. You know, they kept it close against Alabama. Uh, Anthony Richardson could come in and relieve of Emory Jones and, and do some things. This is not the type of team that is going to upset Georgia. Florida's defense uh, is on the struggle bus. They gave up 49 to LSU. And Emory Jones is, and Anthony Richardson are turnover machines. That is bad news for Georgia. Or that's bad news for Florida against Georgia, who is just absolutely dynamic. Jordan Davis at nose tackle might be the best player in the country. And that defense is nasty. So I know Georgia's lost a little bit in the back seven with injuries. So, you know, there's a chance that Florida could get a couple of big plays, but if you're thinking, Oh, you know, Florida is going to out is going to be able to score on this defense at will. And you know, they might be able to limit Georgia. At, no, 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 no. Just don't, don't kid yourself here. Florida, if Florida is going to turn the ball over, there it's going to be a blowout. And I think that's what's going to happen. I've got Georgia 45, Florida 17. I just don't think Florida will be able to stop Georgia's running game. Zamir White, Kendall Milton, those boys, they are studs. They don't have the defense to stop them. And I think they're going to, they're going to press and they're going to turn the ball over. And I think Georgia's going to run away with it. So Georgia wins by four touchdowns. 
Let's go back to the Big Ten. Big game in the West. Number nine, Iowa at Wisconsin. It's a 12 p.m. kick on ESPN. Wisconsin is a three-point favorite, which really surprises me. You know, Wisconsin did have the win against Purdue. You know, they beat them by 17. They turned, they turned Purdue over, which is something that Iowa could not do. And Spencer Petras had just a horrific game. I think he had four, four picks in that game. So it, it was a terrible game for Iowa against Purdue, whereas Wisconsin flipped the script the next week. I don't think you should look at that as a primer for what's going to happen in this game. Iowa was coming off a big win, and I think they got ahead of themselves. They were dealing with injuries. You know, they, they played seven straight games. And then, you know, I think just kind of ran into a letdown and they ran into a team that was smart, that has a player that can burn them, you know, David Bell. I, I think Iowa will play the, the way that they've typically played. Now, big loss for them. Riley Moss is still out. The depth chart came out earlier this week. Riley Moss is, is still out. So that, that's a problem. That's an issue. But, and this is a big but, they have Hankins back. The rest of their defense looks ready to go. Van Valkenburg, Jack Campbell. And I, I think Petrus will play smart. And I just, if, I, if I'm going to pick a quarterback, I, pick, I, I trust Petrus more than Graham Mertz. I think Graham Mertz, you know, if you look at Wisconsin, the way that they've won the past few weeks. Graham Mertz, I don't think has thrown for more than like 80 yards in the past two wins. And that's against Army and Purdue. I don't think you can win that way against Iowa. So I, I've got Iowa winning 24 to 13. I don't think Wisconsin is going to be able to run the ball. I don't know if Iowa is going to be able to run the ball. I don't, I don't know if you're going to see much offense in general, but I trust Iowa to turn Wisconsin over more than I trust Wisconsin to turn Iowa over. So that's, that's my evaluation. I get that it's at, it's at Wisconsin. I think this game is going to feel a lot like the Iowa-Iowa State game. Like Iowa might get outgained in this game, but have three or four turnovers, and Iowa wins by, by 11. So 24 to 13, Iowa over Wisconsin. Number 20, Penn State at number five, Ohio State. 7.30 kick on ABC. It is the Saturday night game of the week for ABC. Kirk Herbstreet and Chris Fowler on the call. Ohio State, 18 and a half point favorite. I said earlier this week that I thought this game was going to be a bloodbath. And then as I, I started doing some more analysis, you know, I realized that Illinois did some things to scheme up Penn State. And so Monday, Tuesday, I was starting to think, okay, maybe, maybe just maybe Penn State comes back. And this is actually a really close game because James Franklin in the past has really challenged Ohio State, even when Ohio State's had the far superior team. I, I don't think Ohio State has actually covered in an Ohio State-Penn State game, except for one year that James Franklin has been the head coach. So 
I was thinking about that, thinking about the back seven that I think is just really, really skilled for Penn State. It's going to be the best secondary that Ohio State's faced. So all that to say, when I saw James Franklin's press conference and when I heard the smoke about his him uh, hiring a new agent, all of the concern about this game being a bloodbath came back. You know, if you weren't listening in James Franklin's press conference, he called Ohio State, Illinois, said they were really excited to go to the big house instead of the horseshoe. Big house is obviously where Michigan plays, not Ohio State. And him hiring an agent and firing his old one, you know, his name has been linked to the USC job, the LSU job. You know, and he's being asked about if he can keep his attention fully on Penn State, you know, and he's not able to remember their opponent, not able to remember where their opponent stadium is, what it's called. I've said over and over again, if there is smoke, especially in college football, if there's smoke about distraction, it's probably more real than not. And unlike in the NFL, where, you know, Urban Meyer can, you know, get into a lot of trouble off the field, and then they win the next week, because it's a bunch of people who are being paid to play, a college locker room is much more easily lost. And that's no slight against the leaders of that team, because I I think they've got some good leadership on that team. But you have these distractions combined with Sean Clifford's injury, you know, Franklin says that he's going to be a hundred percent. I don't think, I don't think you get right from the injury that Sean Clifford had last week uh, in one week. Like, I just don't think that's going to happen. He took some hits in that game. So I, I don't think this is going to be close and it's nothing against Penn state. I think Penn state, if, if they are focused and, and if they come out focused and are healthy, this is going to be a game within probably 14 points. I don't think they're going to be focused enough. I think Clifford's hurt. I don't think they can stop the run with Mustafer out. I've got Ohio State 48, Penn State 17. Travion Henderson is going to be a major factor in this game. And Penn State, if they can't run the ball at all, it's going to be eerily similar to the Ohio State-Indiana game. And that's, again, that's not a slight to Penn State. If Penn State comes out focused and Clifford is healthy, then this is going to be a much closer game. I don't think that's going to happen. I've got Ohio State big. Last but not least, big noon kickoff game, 12 p.m. on Fox. Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt on the call. It is number six Michigan at number eight Michigan State. Michigan's a four and a half point favorite. I think this game could go either way. Uh, I've, I've got actually a very similar score to uh, college football nerds. Uh, they've got a great breakdown on this game. If you go and follow them on their website on YouTube, but I, I think both teams, I think there's a little bit more, you got to look at the stats a, a bit more nuanced. I think both teams appear to have good defenses, but they haven't played a lot of good offenses. And I would actually argue Michigan state. If you look at their defensive averages against the pass, 
it's pretty weak. The problem is Michigan can't really exploit that. You know, Cade McNamara has not been able to, to get the ball downfield. Cornelius Johnson is a, is a good receiver for them, but in seven games, he has like, he's not even averaging 50 yards a game. You know, Sanders still has a little bit of speed, but again, doesn't have a lot of touches. And so really what we're talking about is these two teams are going to both really rely on the running, running game. And neither of them have seen good running backs. So this is the first time that you really see how are these teams going to do against good running backs, good running attacks. You've got Kenneth Walker from Michigan State. You've got Blake Corm and Hassan Haskins from Michigan. And then, you know, Michigan State probably has the edge as a passing team. Jaden Red, Jalen Naylor, you know, Peyton Thorne has played decent. But again, I, I'm concerned because against teams with a little bit better defenses, Nebraska and Indiana, he has struggled. They've really struggled to move the ball. So I ultimately, I think this game comes down to the fact that Michigan has a little bit more in terms of star power on the defense. Dax Hill, Ross in the linebacker spot, Aiden Hutchinson. I think they are going to affect the game enough to get Michigan the win. I would not be surprised if Michigan State wins this game. I, I don't think Michigan is that much better than Michigan State, but I think Michigan gets the win over, I think, the surprise of the Big Ten in Michigan State. Michigan's 27, Michigan State 20. I'm going to take a quick break, and then we're going to talk a little bit about Jim Harbaugh and why this is a must-win game for, uh, for him. Welcome back to the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. Jim Harbaugh. A lot of people like to poke fun at Jim Harbaugh. He's been the Michigan head coach for now seven seasons. And I, I want to be upfront here. I think a lot of the consternation behind Jim Harbaugh is really unmerited. We can talk about the problems, but I think before you could talk about the problems, you have to understand him in context with uh, particularly his two predecessors. You know, I, and I, I think the real question I'm asking is, is, can he help Michigan become a national power? He's a really good coach. This is, this is my thesis here. He's a really good coach, but I think the pressure is really on him because He's in that good, but not great, or as James Franklin would say, that great, but not elite company. But he has been very, very good for Michigan. And for people who are like, no, he hasn't. Let me just hit you with some knowledge. All right. He is currently 56 and 22. And that's including a COVID year, which everything was messed up. He has three 10 win seasons. He has made a bowl game every year except last year. He's going to make another bowl game. He's made two New Year's Six Bowls. And he has done this in a far superior Big Ten than his two predecessors, Rich Rodriguez and Brady Hoke. And he has done it in a division that, since he has joined, has been just an absolute death machine, right? When he was, you know, Brady Hoke, 
up until I think 2014, he had to deal with the legends division because Michigan state and Nebraska and Purdue and, you know, no one else. Now he's got the East where it's Ohio state, Penn state, Michigan state, you know, Indiana has started to, you know, to pick things up. And so he's 56 and 22 in that division with a big 10 that is far better. And let me just break that down a little bit more. So if you look at Brady Hoke, 31 and 20 in four years, three out of the four seasons, having five or more losses, one season where he didn't qualify for a bowl. And it was one of the worst periods of the big 10 conference athletically. And in that he made one BCS game where they beat an overrated Virginia tech team. And they were declared to be back only to just get curb stomped by Alabama the following year. He's one and three against Ohio state, which you're like, yeah, see Brady Hoke beat Ohio state. Jim Harbaugh can't that Ohio state team was the worst Ohio state team in the past 20 years. They were six and seven mired in controversy And then you go to Rich Rodriguez, 15 and 22, lost his only bowl game, had one winning season out of three at seven and six. And both those coaches left the program on life support. And this is coming off of where Lloyd Carr had left it, where they lost to freaking Appalachian State. And so this was a bad program in a bad conference. And here comes Jim Harbaugh in 2015. You you had Penn State starting to come back to life from the sanctions of Joe Paterno. Urban Meyer's coming off a national title at Ohio State. Mark D'Antonio gets to the playoff. And Wisconsin and Iowa Northwestern were growing in respectability. You know, Wisconsin from 2016 to 2019 is ranked in the top 13, three out of the three out of four years. In 2014, they they beat Auburn in a bowl game and were, I think, was a top 15 team. Contrast that again to Rich Rodriguez and and Brady Hoke. D'Antonio was just starting to build at Michigan State in 2011. They they got to the Big Ten Championship game. Good for them. Ohio State on sanctions, Penn State on sanctions. And before that, when Rich Rodriguez was there, it was the twilight of the Trestle and Paterno years. They were good, but they they weren't nationally great programs. And the rest of the Big Ten stunk. They were the laughing stock of the bowl season almost every year. And Michigan was a combined 46 and 44. So before people start talking about, well, Harbaugh isn't good and Harbaugh stinks and he should be fired and Ohio State fans should rejoice that Harbaugh is still there and yada, yada, yada. I want you to understand that what Harbaugh has done in seven years has actually been pretty good. He's three and three against Michigan State. He's been to a bowl game every year. He has a division championship or he's, he's tied for a division championship. And even the bowl losses are understandable, right? Like they've had to go against Alabama with four first round receivers. You know, they went against Dalvin Cook's Florida State team, which was pretty good. And they, I think they lost by two. There's a lot of respectability. They, they've had one season of five losses or more. 
And then you throw out 2020 because 2020 was just an odd year. And he's 0-6 against Ohio State, or 0-5 against Ohio State because they didn't play last year. It's the golden era of Ohio State dominance. Like, seriously, like, you look at Urban Meyer and Ohio State, I think they lost five times against Big Ten opponents in seven years. Ryan Day hasn't lost to a Big Ten team yet. And we're complaining because Jim Harbaugh has struggled to beat that Ohio State program. And so that's, that's the context that we have to put this in. Okay. Now, having said that, the, the, the real question is, can Jim Harbaugh make Michigan a national power? And you cannot talk about that if Jim Harbaugh doesn't win this weekend. And so that's, that's the odd place. And it's very similar to James Franklin at Penn State, right? Because James Franklin has done a good job at Penn State, just like Jim Harbaugh has done a good job at Michigan. But if Michigan wants to be even with Ohio State, which that's, that's the goal, Ohio State gets to the playoff. Ohio State wins playoff games. Michigan has to start dominating the Michigan-Michigan State rivalry. Like they have to. If they can't, then forget challenging Ohio State. Like even if they would beat Ohio State this year, if they, if they keep losing to Michigan State, if, if they're just even with them, then we're not talking about getting elite. We're talking about being good. And so this is a must-win game for, for Jim to prove that he can build towards an elite level. Because the, the reality is, he has got to start recruiting. He's got to start building kind of a mystique around the program that says, hey, if we're going to compete against Ohio State, we need to separate from the rest of the pack. And you've got to start separating from Michigan State because if you don't, then those two programs are going to be gridlocked at second or third at best. And Unlike Mel Tucker, who's playing with house money at Michigan State, like everybody thought Michigan State was going to be awful this year. They're playing with house money. They're 7-0. and Michigan, you know, in some ways this is unexpected for them as well, but because now they are number six in the country, they're started, starting to be rated as a potential playoff team. This is put up or shut up time. Can Michigan do what they hired Jim Harbaugh to do, which is not just to get better, but to start breaking into that elite group of playoff teams. Now, I don't think Michigan is good enough to get to the playoff this year. I think they're going to get beat by Ohio State. I think if they got to the playoff, I think they'd probably lose by two or three touchdowns to Georgia or Alabama because they don't have a downfield passing game but they've got an elite quarterback, at least a potential elite quarterback behind Cade McNamara that could take over starting next year. They have pieces. They have a lot of pieces. If they lose to Michigan State this week, I think it really sets them back because then it, it starts those questions over again. Not just, 
can Jim Harbaugh beat Ohio State? Can Jim Harbaugh get to the Big Ten championship game? It's now, can, can Jim Harbaugh beat the in-state rival? And so this is a must-win game for Jim Harbaugh. And I say that as someone who respects him, as someone I think who has been really good for that program, but he is at a similar point uh, as James Franklin is at Penn State. And is that, has Jim Harbaugh peaked? This game's going to tell us a lot about that. And so I think Jim Harbaugh wins this one. I, I, I actually... I'm starting to think that maybe Jim Harbaugh and making some of the defensive changes that he made last year, getting rid of Don Brown. I think we could be seeing something special in the next few years, particularly as we talk about Ohio state, Michigan and that rivalry. And as a Buckeye fan, I both love that and dread it because quite honestly, I I like the fact that Ohio state owns, you know, an an eight, no record the past eight, eight games. But at the same time, I think the Ohio state Michigan rivalry when it is competitive is a real, real treat and Michigan and and to, to, to Jim Harbaugh's credit, Michigan has been competitive in a couple of these games, obviously 2016 went to, went to overtime, double overtime. Michigan was really close to winning that game, getting to the big 10 championship game, getting to the playoff. And then 2017 was close. And then 2018 and 2019, you know, it was, it was a bloodbath, but again, those teams had prolific offenses. And so can Michigan get there? Can Michigan become the foil again to Ohio state? Uh, Let's see what happens this week. I think this game is going to tell us a lot, whether Michigan can, can pull this out or not. Um, So I, I think Jim Harbaugh can do that if he can keep it close, if he can win this game and keep it close. Because the key thing is, can you not just recruit well, but can you craft an offense that can compete with the explosiveness of Ryan Day's offense at Ohio State? They got to beat Michigan State first, though. Uh, I think they do. And I think it makes for a very intriguing November as Ohio State and Michigan come on a collision course to the end of the season to see who wins the Big Ten East. So we'll see what happens with Jim Harbaugh, and we'll see what happens this weekend. I'm excited. It's going to be a great weekend of college football. So this is the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. Signing off. Enjoy the weekend. God bless. God bless.